Book Five, Part One of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michael Armenta. Argument, the Acts of Diomed. Diomed, assisted by Pallas, performs wonders in this day's battle. Pandarus wounds him with an arrow, but the goddess cures him, enables him to discern gods from mortals, and prohibits him from contending with any of the former, excepting Venus. Aeneas joins Pandarus to oppose him. Pandarus is killed, and Aeneas in great danger but for the assistance of venus who as she is removing her son from the fight is wounded on the hand by diomed apollo seconds her in his rescue and at length carries off aeneas to troy where he is healed in the temple of pergamus mars rallies the trojans and assists hector to make a stand in the meantime, Aeneas is restored to the field, and they overthrow several of the Greeks. Among the rest, Tlepolemus is slain by Sarpedon. Juno and Minerva descend to resist Mars. The latter incites Diomed to go against that god. He wounds him, and sends him groaning to heaven. The first battle continues through this book. The scene is the same as in the former. Such strength and courage then to Diomed, the son of Tydeus, Pallas gave, as raised mid all the Greeks the glory of his name. Forth from his helm and shield of fiery lights there flashed, like autumn's star that brightest shines when newly risen from his ocean bath so from the warrior's head and shoulders flashed that fiery light as to the midst he urged his furious course where densest masses fought there was one dares mid the trojan host the priest of falcon rich of blameless life two gallant sons he had ideas named and phegeus skilled in all the points of war these parted from the throng the warrior met they on their car while he on foot advanced when near they came first phegeus threw his spear o'er the left shoulder of Tydides passed the erring weapon's point, and missed its mark. His ponderous spear in turn Tydides threw, and not in vain. On Phegeus' breast it struck full in the midst, and hurled him from the car. Ideas from the well-wrought chariot sprang, and fled nor durst his brother's corpse defend nor had he so escaped the doom of death but 
Vulcan bore him safely from the field, in darkness shrouded, that his aged sire might not be wholly of his sons bereaved. The car Tydides to his comrades gave, and bade them to the ships the horses drive. Now when the Trojans, Darius sons, beheld, the one in flight, the other stretched in death, their spirits within them quailed. But Pallas took the hand of Mars, and thus addressed the god, Mars, Mars, thou bane of mortals, blood-stained lord, razor of cities, wherefore leave we not the Greeks and Trojans to contend, and see to which the sire of all will victory give, while we retire and shun the wrath of Jove. Thus saying, from the battle Mars she led, and placed him on Scamander's steepy banks. The Greeks drove back the Trojan host. The chiefs slew each his victim. Agamemnon first, the mighty monarch, from his chariot hurled Hodius, the sturdy Halizonian chief. Him, as he turned, between the shoulder-blades the javelin struck, and through his chest was driven. Thundering he fell, and loud his armour rang. On Phaestus, Boris's son, Meonian chief, who from the fertile plains of Tarna came, then sprang Idomeneus, and as he sought to mount upon his car, the Cretan king through his right shoulder drove the pointed spear. He fell. The shades of death his eyes o'erspread, and of his arms the followers stripped his corpse. The son of Atreus, Menelaus, slew Scamandrius, son of Strophius, sportsman keen, in woodcraft skilful, for his practised hand had by Diana's self been taught to slay each beast of chase the mountain forest holds but not availed him then the archer queen diana's counsels nor his boasted art of distant aim for as he fled the lance of menelaus atreus's warlike son behind his neck between the shoulder-blades his flight arresting through his chest was driven headlong he fell and loud his armour rang phereclus by meriones was slain son of harmonides whose practised hand knew well to fashion many a work of art by pallas highly favoured he the ships for paris built first origin of ill freighted with evil to the men of troy and to himself who knew not heaven's decrees him in his headlong flight in hot pursuit meriones o'ertook and thrust his lance through his right flank 
beneath the bone was driven the spear, and pierced him through. Prone on his knees, groaning, he fell, and death his eyelids closed. Meges Pideus slew, Antenor's son, a bastard born, but by Theano reared with tender care, and nurtured as her son with her own children for her husband's sake. Him, Phileus, warrior son, approaching near, thrust through the junction of the head and neck, crashed through his teeth the spear beneath the tongue. Prone in the dust he gnashed the brazen point. Eurypolis, Eumaean's noble son, Hypsenor slew, the worthy progeny of Dolopion, brave, Scamander's priest, and by the people as a god revered. Him, as he fled before him, from behind, Eurypolis, Eumaean's noble son, smote with the sword, and from the shoulder-point the brawny arm he severed. To the ground down fell the gory hand, the darkling shades of death and rigorous doom his eyelids closed. Thus laboured they amid the stubborn fight, but of Tydides none might say to whom his arm belonged, or whether with the hosts of Troy or Greece he mingled in the fight, hither and thither o'er the plain he rushed, like to a wintry stream that brimming o'er breaks down its barriers in its rapid course, nor well-built bridge can stem the flood, nor fence guards the fertile fields as down it pours its sudden torrent, swollen with rain from heaven, and many a goodly work of man destroys, so back were borne before Tydides' might the serried ranks of Troy, nor dared await, despite their numbers, his impetuous charge. Him, when Lycaean's noble son beheld careering o'er the plain, the serried ranks driving before him, quick at Tydeus' son he bent his bow, and onward, as he rushed, on the right shoulder, near the breastplate's joint, the stinging arrow struck. Right through it passed, and held its way, that blood the breastplate stained. Then shouted loud Lycaean's noble son, Arouse ye valiant Trojans, ye who goad your flying steeds, the bravest of the Greeks is wounded, nor, I deem, can long withstand my weapon, if indeed from Lycia's shore, by Phoebus' counsel sent, I join the war. Thus he, vainglorious, but not so was quelled the godlike chief. Back he withdrew, and stood beside his car, and thus to Sthenelus, the son of Capaneus, his speech addressed. Up, gentle son of Capaneus, 
descend from off the car, and from my shoulder draw this stinging arrow forth. He said, and down leaped from the chariot Sthenelus, and stood beside him, and as forth he drew the shaft, gushed out the blood, and dyed the twisted mail. Then thus the valiant son of Tydeus prayed, Hear me, thou child of Aegis-bearing Jove, unconquered! If amid the deadly fight thy friendly aid my father e'er sustained, let me in turn thy favour find, and grant within my reach and compass of my spear that man may find himself who unawares hath wounded me, and vainly boasting deems I shall not long behold the light of day. Thus prayed the chief, and Pallas heard his prayer. To all his limbs, to feet and hands alike, she gave fresh vigour, and with winged words beside him as she stood, addressed him thus. Go, fearless onward, Diomed, to meet the Trojan hosts, for I within thy breast thy father's dauntless courage have infused, such as of old in Tydeus' bosom dwelt, bold horseman, buckler-clad. And from thine eyes the film that dimmed them I have purged away, that thou mayst well twixt gods and men discern. If then some god make trial of thy force, With other of the immortals fight thou not, But should Jove's daughter Venus dare the fray, Thou need'st not shun at her to cast thy spear. This said, the blue-eyed goddess disappeared. Forthwith again, amid the foremost ranks, Tydides mingled. Keenly as before, his spirit against the Trojans burned to fight. With threefold fury now he sought the fray. As when a hungry lion has o'erleaped the sheepfold, him the guardian of the flock has wounded, not disabled, by his wound to rage excited, but not forced to fly. The fold he enters, scarce the trembling sheep, that, closely huddled, each on other press, then pounces on his prey, and leaps the fence. So pounced Tydides on the Trojan host. Astynos and Hyperion then, he slew his people's guardian. Through the breast of one he drove his spear, and with his mighty sword he smote the other on the collarbone, the shoulder severing from the neck and back. Them left he there to lie. Of Abbas then and Polyidus went 
in hot pursuit, sons of Eurydamus, aged seer, whose visions stayed them not, but both were doomed a prey to valiant Diomed to fall. Xanthus and Thoan then the heroes slew, the sons of Phenops, children of his age. He, worn with years, no other sons begot, heirs of his wealth. They two together fell, and to their father left a load of grief, that from the battle they returned not home and distant kindred all his substance shared. On Chromius and Echemon next he fell, two sons of Priam, on one chariot borne, and as a lion springs upon a herd, and breaks the neck of heifer, or of steer feeding in woodland glade, with such a spring these two, in vain resisting, from their car Tydides hurled, then stripped their arms, and bade his followers lead their horses to the ships. Him, when Aeneas saw amid the ranks dealing destruction, through the fight and throng of spears he plunged, if haply he might find the godlike Pandarus. Lycian's son he found, of noble birth and stalwart form, and stood before him, and addressed him thus. Where, Pandarus, are now thy winged shafts, thy bow and well-known skill, wherein with thee can no man here contend? Nor Lycia boasts through all her widespread plains a truer aim. Then raise to Jove thy hand, and with thy shaft strike down this chief, whoe'er he be, that thus is making fearful havoc in our host, relaxing many a warrior's limbs in death. If he be not indeed a god incensed against the Trojans for neglected rites, for fearful is the vengeance of a god. Whom answered thus Lycaean's noble son, Aeneas, chief and counsellor of Troy, Most like in all respects to Tityus' son he seems, His shield I know, and visored helm, and horses, Whether he himself be God I cannot tell, But if he be indeed the man I think him, Tydeus' valiant son, he fights not thus without the aid of heaven, but by his side, his shoulders veiled in cloud, some god attends his steps, and turns away the shaft that just hath reached him, for even now a shaft I shot, which by the breastplate's joint pierced his right shoulder through. Full sure I deemed that shaft had sent him to the shades, and yet it slew him not. Tis sure some angry god. Nor horse have I, nor car on which to mount, 
but in my sire lycaean's wealthy house eleven fair chariots stand all newly built each with its cover by the side of each two steeds on rye and barley white are fed and in his well-built house when here i came lycaean aged warrior urged me oft with horses and with chariots high upborne to lead the trojans in the stubborn fight i hearkened not twere better if i had yet feared i lest my horses want to feed in plenty unstinted by the soldiers wants might of their customed forage be deprived i left them there and hither came on foot and trusting to my bow vain trust it seems two chiefs already have i struck the sons of tydeus and of atreus with true aim drawn blood from both yet but increased their rage sad was the hour when down from where it hung i took my bow and hasting to the aid of godlike hector hither led my troops but should i e'er return and see again my native land my wife my lofty hall then may a stranger's sword cut off my head if with these hands i shatter not and burn the bow that thus hath failed me at my need him answered thus aeneas chief of troy speak thou not thus our fortunes shall not change till thou and i with chariot and with horse this chief encounter and his prowess prove then mount my car and see how swift my steeds hither and thither in pursuit or flight from those of tross descended scour the plain so if the victory to diomed the son of tydeus should by jove be given we yet may safely reach the walls of troy take thou the whip and reins while i descend to fight on foot or thou the chief engage and leave to me the conduct of the car whom answered thus lycaean's noble son aeneas of thy horses and thy car take thou the charge beneath the customed hand with more assurance would they draw the car if we from tydeus son be forced to fly nor struck with panic and thy voice unheard refuse to bear us from the battlefield so should ourselves be slain and tydeus son in triumph drive thy horses to the ships but thou thy horses and thy chariot guide while i his onset with my lance receive thus saying on the car they mounted both and toward tydides urged their eager steeds then sthenelus beheld the noble son of capneus and to tydides cried o son of tydeus 
dearest to my soul, two men I see, of might invincible, impatient to engage thee. Pandarus, well skilled in archery, Lycian's son, with him Aeneas, great Anchises' son, who from immortal Venus boasts his birth. Then let us timely to the car retreat, lest, moving thus amid the foremost ranks, thy daring pay the forfeit of thy life. To whom brave Diomed, with stern regard, Talk not to me of flight, I heed thee not. It is not in my nature so to fight with skulking artifice and faint retreat. My strength is yet unbroken. I should shame to mount the car, but forward will I go to meet these chiefs' encounter, for my soul, Pallas, forbids the touch of fear to know. Nor shall their horses speed procure for both a safe return, though one escape my arm. This too I say, and bear my words in mind. By Pallas's counsel, if my hap should be to slay them both, leave thou my horses here, the reins attaching to the chariot rail, and seize and from the Trojans to the ships drive off the horses in Aeneas' car. From those descended, which all-seeing Jove, on Tros for Ganymede his son bestowed. With these may none beneath the sun compare. Anchises, king of men, the breed obtained by cunning, to the horses sending mares without the knowledge of Laomedon. Six colts were thus engendered, four of these in his own stalls he reared, the other two gave to Aeneas, fear-inspiring chief. These could we win! Our praise were great indeed! Such converse while they held, the twain approached, their horses urged to speed. Then thus began to Diomed, Lycaean's noble son. Great son of Tydeus, warrior brave and skilled, my shaft, it seems, has failed to reach thy life. Try we then now what hap attends my spear. He said, and poising, hurled his ponderous spear, and struck Tydides' shield. Right through the shield drove the keen weapon, and the breastplate reached. Then shouted loud Lycaean's noble son, Thou hast it through the flank, nor canst thou long survive the blow. Great glory now is mine. To whom unmoved the valiant Diomed. Thine aim hath failed, I am not touched. And now I deem we part not hence, Till one of ye glut with his blood The insatiate lord of war. 
he said. The spear, by Pallas guided, struck beside the nostril, underneath the eye, crashed through the teeth, and cutting through the tongue, beneath the angle of the jaw, came forth. Down from the car he fell, and loudly rang his glittering arms. Aside the startled steeds sprang devious. From his limbs the spirit fled. Down leaped Aeneas' spear, and shield in hand, Against the Greeks, to guard the valiant dead. And like a lion, fearless in his strength, Around the corpse he stalked this way and that, his spear and buckler round before him held to all who dared approach him threatening death with fearful shouts a rocky fragment then tydides lifted up a mighty mass which scarce two men could raise as men are now but he unaided lifted it with ease with this he smote Aeneas near the groin, where the thigh-bone, inserted in the hip, turns in the socket joint, the rugged mass, the socket, crushed, and both the tendons broke, and tore away the flesh. Down on his knees, yet resting on his hand, the hero fell, and o'er his eyes the shades of darkness spread. Then had Aeneas, king of men, been slain, had not his mother, Venus, child of Jove, who to Anchises, where he fed his flocks, the hero bore, his peril quickly seen. Around her son she threw her snowy arms, and with a veil, thick-folded, wrapped him round, from hostile spears to guard him, lest some Greek should pierce his breast and rob him of his life. She from the battle thus her son removed, nor did the son of Capaneus neglect the strict injunction by Tydides given. His reins, attaching to the chariot rail, far from the battle din he checked and left his own fleet steeds. Then rushing forward seized and from the trojans toward the camp drove off the sleek-skinned horses of aeneas car these to deipolis his chosen friend he gave of all his comrades best esteemed of soundest judgment toward the ships to drive then his own car remounting seized the reins and urged with eager haste his fiery steeds seeking tydides he meanwhile pressed on in keen pursuit of venus her he knew a weak unwarlike goddess not of those that like Bellana fierce or pallas range exulting through the blood-stained fields of war her searching through the crowd at length he found 
and springing forward with his pointed spear a wound inflicted on her tender hand piercing the ambrosial veil the grace's work the sharp spear grazed her palm below the wrist forth from the wound the immortal current flowed pure ichor life-stream of the blessed gods they eat no bread they drink no ruddy wine and bloodless thence and deathless they become the goddess shrieked aloud and dropped her son but in his arms apollo bore him off in a thick cloud enveloped lest some greek might pierce his breast and rob him of his life loud shouted brave tydides as she fled daughter of jove from battle-fields retire enough for thee weak woman to delude if war thou seek'st the lesson thou shalt learn shall cause thee shudder but to hear it named thus he but ill at ease and sorely pained the goddess fled her iris swift as wind caught up and from the tumults bore away weeping with pain her fair skin soiled with blood mars on the left hand of the battlefield she found his spear reclining by his side and veiled in cloud his car and flying steeds kneeling her brother she besought to lend the flying steeds with golden frontlets crowned dear brother aid me hence and lend thy car to bear me to olympus seat of gods great is the pain i suffer from a wound received from diomed a mortal man who now would dare with jove himself to fight he lent the steeds with golden frontlets crowned in deep distress she mounted on the car beside her iris stood and took the reins and urged the coursers nothing loth they flew and soon to high olympus seat of gods they came swift iris there the coursers stayed loosed from the chariot and before them placed ambrosial forage on her mother's lap dione venus fell she in her arms embraced and soothed her with her hand and said which of the heavenly powers hath wronged thee thus my child as guilty of some open shame whom answered thus the laughter-loving queen the haughty son of tydeus diomed hath wounded me because my dearest son aeneas from the field i bore away no more twixt greeks and trojans is the fight but with the gods themselves the greeks contend to whom dione heavenly goddess thus have patience dearest child 
though much enforced, restrain thy anger. We, in heaven who dwell, have much to bear from mortals, and ourselves too oft upon each other's sufferings lay. Mars had his sufferings. By Aeolus' sons, Otus and Ephialtes, strongly bound, he thirteen months in brazen fetters lay, and there had pined away the god of war, insatiate Mars, had not their stepmother, the beauteous Arabia, sought the aid of Hermes. He by stealth released the god, sore-worn and wasted by his galling chains. Juno too suffered, when Amphitryon's son, through her right breast a three-barbed arrow sent. Dire and unheard-of were the pangs she bore. Great Pluto's self the stinging arrow felt, when that same son of each aspiring Jove assailed him in the very gates of hell, and wrought him keenest anguish, pierced with pain, to high Olympus, to the courts of Jove. Groaning he came. The bitter shaft remained deep in his shoulder fixed, and grieved his soul. But soon with soothing ointments, Peon's hand, for death on him was powerless, healed the wound. Accursed was he, of daring overbold, reckless of evil deeds, who with his bow assailed the gods who on Olympus dwell. The blue-eyed Pallas, well I know, has urged Tydides to assail thee, fool and blind, unknowing he how short his term of life who fights against the gods. For him no child upon his knees shall lisp a father's name, safe from the war and battle-field returned. Brave as he is, let Diomed beware, he meet not some more dangerous foe than thee. Then fair Aegiale, Adrastus's child, the noble wife of valiant Diomed, shall long, with lamentations loud, disturb the slumbers of her house, and vainly mourn her youthful lord, the bravest of the Greeks. She said, and wiped the ichor from the wound. Her hand was healed, the grievous pains allayed. But Juno and Minerva, looking on, with words of bitter mockery, Saturn's son provoked. And thus the blue-eyed goddess spoke. O father, may I speak without offence? Venus, it seems, has sought to lead astray some Grecian woman, and persuade to join those Trojans whom she holds in high esteem. And, as her hand, the gentle dame caressed, a golden clasp has scratched her slender arm. Thus she, and smiled the sire of gods and men. He called the golden Venus to his side, 
and not to thee my child he said belong the deeds of war do thou bestow thy care on deeds of love and tender marriage ties but leave to mars and pallas feats of arms such converse while they held brave diomed again assailed aeneas well he knew apollo's guardian hand around him thrown yet by the god undaunted on he pressed to slay aeneas and his arms obtain thrice was his onset made with murderous aim and thrice apollo struck his glittering shield but when with godlike force he sought to make his fourth attempt the far destroyer spoke in terms of awful menace be advised tydides and retire nor as a god esteem thyself since not alike the race of gods immortal and of earth-born men he said and diomed a little space before the far destroyer's wrath retired apollo then aeneas bore away far from the tumult and in pergamus where stood his sacred shrine bestowed him safe latona there and diane archer queen in the great temple's innermost recess gave to his wounds their care and soothed his pride end of book five part one